0: Yo, MTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the Star City Games Open Series is coming up soon in Cincinnati, Ohio. On July 16th and 17th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the Standard, Legacy, and Draft Opens and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Cincinnati, and we'll see you there. And welcome to episode seventy-one of Yo MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco,
1: and I'm Big Head Joe.
0: And uh, we're gonna go over some of the uh, the M12 cards. Some of our basically, uh, we we both made a top twelve of M12 list. Um, and because we're corny over, like that, yeah, totally corny. Uh, top twelve of M12 list, and we're uh, we're gonna go over, I guess, what stands out to us in the set.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, some of the stuff is like. I mean, some of the stuff on my list is, so, is on there for stupid reasons anyway, so there's not going to be much to say about it, so.
0: Right. Uh, for anybody who who might have liked, uh, this might be their first time listening to it, one of our uh, our top whatever lists, um, these are for any reason. It can be for a competitive play, because we love the artwork, or because we think it's just weird and it's a puzzle to figure out, or whatever, anything. I'll, I'll start the, uh, I guess the 12th card on my list is your Mage it's a new card uh, in m twelve so not a reprint um, it's a blue and one uncommon it's a two one creature human wizard and it has the ability blue and three draw a card so you know it doesn't tap so it's kind of got a a, a haste kind of thing there if you want to think of it that way obviously it can't attack when it comes into play but if you uh, if you're on six mana you you drop it and you can draw a card off of it right away. Um I think it's really it's really good like I th- I kind of skipped over it when I first saw it. Um but all right, a 2-1 for 2 is not bad, especially in blue, right? It's it's uh, it's a bear. It's a power to uh, casting cost sure. ratio there. Um yeah. and you know, you drop it, a, 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 what are they going to kill it? Like are they going to is it is it really worth killing at that point? But then uh, you know, on turn 4, you Basically, just leave your mana open at the end of turn. You draw a card for as long as it sticks around. And later in the game, it's fine. You know, a lot of times later in the game, you don't want to draw your two-drop. But later in the game, it's fine because you can do the, uh, you know, just drop it, draw a card. And if it chump blocks something or or whatever, uh, you know, that's fine. Like, you still get value out of it. It's still solid late.
1: I I honestly really like it for for limited, uh, for limited. for draft, for sealed. Yeah. Um, and Azure Mage is something that's just beautiful. It's just a beautiful thing to see. Uh, cause I'll be probably drafting a ton of Aven fleet wings and, um, and, and the, the chasm Drake or whatever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. The one that, uh, uh, whenever it attacks another creature gets, you control gets flying until end of turn. It's yeah. a three three, three, three flyer. I like that too for limited for sure.
1: Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, those are the kinds of cards I will be drafting the crap out of. Yeah. Same. Same. So. Here. So, uh, so I can see myself, uh, you know, that guy fighting a home right alongside of that, or even as an early pick. Yeah, because you know, it's, it's just a really good card.
0: It's really good for limited, um, and it, it, I think, it, it walks the line as far as constructed playability, just because of that. Uh, you know, just the fact that it does have that draw card ability. I mean, that even later in the game, if you've got one sitting around, you know, draw multiple cards off of it. It's right. it's oh, no, not a great. once per turn thing. I mean it costs four, but um you know, that's you, you got the mana lying around, you just pump it into it. I, it's also interesting, uh it's a human wizard, so the what is it, a zombie lady of scrolls, I think is the card that it's tap uh, tap an untapped wizard. Yeah, tap an untapped wizard, you control, draw a card. So you can tap four to draw a card, and you can tap the Azure Mage and draw a card too. So uh yeah. it seems kinda cool just in, in E D H
1: it could also be good in like your uh In your Wizard Tribal deck for Legacy, you'll be playing a Wizard Tribal deck. And one (laughs) card you can add to those Wizard Tribal decks to make them even better is Adaptive Automation, which is the first card on my list. How did you like that segue? So Adaptive Automation costs three mana. It's a 2-2 artifact creature construct. It's a rare. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Adaptive Automation is the chosen type in addition to its other types. And other creatures you control of the chosen type get plus one, plus one.
0: Isn't it adaptive automaton?
1: No, it's automaton. That's what I said.
0: (laughs) That is not what you said, but yeah, it's what you said.
1: No, that's what I said. I said adaptive automaton. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I totally read it right. And um, (laughs) it's it's totally awesome. Uh, It is. It's it's
0: cool. Like it's a generic lord for anything. Yeah.
1: I'll be using it in my Soraya the Falconer EDH deck, no doubt, when it comes out. Uh, just built a mono-white Soraya the Falconer uh, commander deck. Um, and this guy is going to go in there, hopefully as a foil, uh, so I can pump my uh, Stronghold Sky Shroud Falcon, which is probably the most awesome artwork ever printed on a Magic card. Yeah, um,
0: very much like a casual kind of card, but uh, but... Could but see not so much yeah, though. could see play in something, you know, like you said, uh if Merfolk wants just another one of Lord, <laughs> why not, right? Not that it Merfolk is a, for Lords.
1: I'm saying it can block a sort of fire and ice equipped creature. Yeah,
0: yeah. In legacy, absolutely. That's it's not like totally casual. It seems like it you know, that's where it's going to see the most play. But definitely any kind of tribal deck if if there's a tribal deck viable in a format, this is something you can consider for sure. Just because make, of that,
1: I mean, it could even make some. Uh, maybe you know, having an extra lord could make some tribal deck a little more viable somewhere. You know yeah. what I mean? I, who Absolutely. knows? Mm,
0: the next card on my list is Phantasmal Image. Phantasmal Image is a blue and a one, and it's a zero-zero creature illusion rare. You may have Phantasmal Image, enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except if it's an illusion, I'm sorry, except it's an illusion in addition to its other types and gains when this creature becomes a target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. So, um, really cheap clone. Like, people are kind of, uh, pretty excited about Phyrexian Metamorph, which is seeing play, and of course that's pretty versatile in that it can go in any color deck, and it only costs three, and it can copy artifacts as well as creatures, so obviously that's a much more versatile card, but being only two mana and getting a relatively similar ability is pretty pretty key here. And I think um, th- th- the thing is with these illusion things, I mean, all these illusion creature types have this ability about when it becomes a target of a spell or ability, sacrifice it. But most of the abilities that are going to target it are going to kill it anyway. But I think this is great because if something like Thron the Last Troll gets uh, – gets more and more play in in standard, which is is a possibility right now, especially uh, in this kind of brave new standard world we have. Um, Phantasmal Image can be a really good way for blue decks to fight Thron, a deck, I mean, a, a card that's otherwise really difficult for a blue deck to deal with.
1: Right. I just liked what Brendan uh, Brendan Hurst, our buddy, uh, posted on our Facebook group. He wrote so. Sun Titan returning phantasmal image, returning phantasmal image, returning phantasmal image, returning phantasmal image, returning, <laughs> returning spellskite.
0: <laughs> I don't even. So wait. So Sun Titan returns a phantasmal image, which comes into play, copies a Sun Titan, returns
1: another phantasmal image, Another... Which a Sun Titan, which returns another phantasmal image, becoming a Sun Titan, which returns a spellskite.
0: Yeah, it seems really. I mean having having multiple Sun Titans, does that seem good? I don't I don't understand. No, just kidding. So go ahead, tell me uh, what the next card on your
1: list is. Um it's uh, a magic card. It's Bloodlord of Vasgoth.
0: Yeah. This Blood is
1: Bloodlord.
0: Uh... And this um, is this is it's... the uh, promo, right? One of the uh is
1: It's it a the... pre release promo card. Okay. Um it's a three three flying bloodthirst three uh, it's a Vampire Warrior. It's a Mythic Rare. It costs two black and three. And whenever you cast a Vampire Creature spell, it gains Bloodthirst three. Right. It's just a nasty, nasty card. It's just a really... It's like a Turbo Lord, in a way.
0: Right. It really is. Uh, getting getting like damage in with Vampires isn't so crazy. So uh, being able to go turn five, six, six, flyer is pretty sick and then you're like um you know attack next turn you know you attack and then you're just like hmm, blood ghast or something <laughs> like any any vampire like hm mm, my blood my blood gas. even especially if you knock them below ten and then you cast blood ghast. Like oh here's your uh here's a, a five four uh haste
1: for two. Yeah now you um you don't have to deal combat damage to them, it's just any damage. Right,
0: right, exactly. It's like, if the opponent was dealt damage, they get that. So you can use something like the uh, the the new Vicious Hunger card. Uh, it's, what is it? Soren's Thirst, I think it's called. Uh, I'm going to pull it up right here. Soren's Thirst. Yeah, it's, it's a it's black, black, instant. Soren's Thirst deals two damage to target creature, and you... Oh, it's just creature. Never mind. Soren's Thirst doesn't work. Um, I was thinking for some reason it was creature or player, but... Uh, Taste of Blood works, though. It's, it's a one-black sorcery. Taste of Blood deals one damage to target player, and you gain one life. So that'll do it, although that'll be more of a limited trick. I don't see many people running that in standard. or. I
1: gotta get my bloodthirst activated.
0: <laughs> nice flavor, though, right? I mean, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> nice flavor of the uh, <laughs> Taste of Blood activating bloodthirst. Is that like a triple pun score there? I don't even <laughs> I understand
1: think it is. Like-
0: Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, the the vampires obviously getting a lot of love, which I think is great because now it it seems like Wizards has definitely settled on a, uh, you know, the the creature type for black.
1: It's really interesting to me how magic really seemed or even seems to be moving towards vampires Mm -hmm. as their tribe of choice for black. But then, you know, counter that with the fact that we have so many zombie cards being printed in this set.
0: Yeah, you're um, right.
1: Like my next card on my list, Call to the Grave. Call yeah. to the Grave, uh, for those of you who are familiar with it, it's a reprint from Scourge. Um, it has been in my commander deck probably since I've built it. <laughs> it's a black and four. It's an enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep. That player sacrifices a non-zombie creature. At the beginning of the end step, if no creatures are on the battlefield, sacrifice Call to the Grave. So, um, you know, it's a card that benefits having zombies as your creature type, um, which, you know, right now doesn't look that beneficial. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, it doesn't look that beneficial to uh, have zombies as your main creature type, given the zombies that we have to choose from. Which leads me to believe that... Innistrad could very well have a bunch of zombies in it. Now, we've been talking about... I've heard rumors about Innistrad. What's the basis of the rumors that Innistrad is graveyard-based? Did Wizards Um, say that?
0: No. Okay, so the only official news we have about Innistrad is just the announcement, which is that image of Liliana, and it says the horror lurks within or something, and uh, so it looks obviously like a very dark set, like a, uh, a black themed set, or some sort of horror based set, clearly. Um... But apparently, there were car- inner cards built into the code of Duels of the Planeswalkers 2012. Um, somehow, people hacked into it. You know, these clever people in the Magic community, and there have been a few cards spoiled that have flashback. So, uh-huh. um, it, it's pretty clear. Th- and, and we haven't really had a graveyard based set in a while either. So, I mean, we've had like Unearth in uh, in Alara block, but. Uh, and there's always like a few graveyard based cards, sing- things like Vengevine and Bloodgast as well. But, uh, you know, nothing that where the whole set is really th- has that kind of theme. And I think we're very likely to see that kind of thing, especially we know now. I mean, it's almost, I, I guess you could call it confirmed. It's just not officially confirmed uh, that Flashback is coming back. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of these cards that we're seeing in M12 specifically are kind of our plants for the future, like for this block coming, coming up. We had in, in Worldwake, we had Stoneforge Mystic, uh, which if you don't remember was the card that searches for equipment. And, um, when, uh, when it was printed, people were like, Hey, this fall block is supposed to be an artifact block. There may be good equipment in that block. And then Stoneforge Mystic may like break out and be like crazy. Now, of course, the scars of Mirrodin block had no equipment printed in it. And of course that card just ended up being terrible, but, Or that was an alternate timeline. Sorry, no, they did print the equipment in Scars, uh, and we all know what happened. So a lot of these cards, uh, the whole – anything graveyard-themed is actually kind of already going to work well with whatever they have coming out in in Innistrad. And I think several cards on our lists are going to – or at least on my list for sure – have some sort of interaction with the graveyard. So um, speaking of which – uh, ch- my, the next card on my list is Chandra's Phoenix. Uh, yes. Sha- Chandra's Phoenix is another promo. Is this the... This is the uh, Buy a Box promo? Is that right? Pretty Ooh, sure. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's definitely a promo. It's not the pre-release promo. So um, I'm pretty sure it's the Buy a Box promo. But it's uh, 2-2 for Red Red 1. So 2-2 for 3. Flying Haste. Already good. 2-2 Flying Haste. I mean, that's a... T- uh, 2-2 Flying Haste for 3 is already a good... Uh, good casting cost. Like, that's a great great value right there. But it has an additional ability. Whenever an opponent is dealt damage by a red instant or sorcery spell you control, or by a red planeswalker you control, return Chandra's Phoenix from your graveyard to your hand. So, being able to recur this, like, this is, like, that's, that's awesome. I mean, look at cards like Bloodgast and Vengevine. They, being able to come out of the graveyard, it's just card advantage. You just have this extra card that once dealt with it needs to be dealt with again and if your deck is already set up to do things like cast creatures or play lands or in the case of a red deck deal damage you just automatically do that Um, since you did two in a row I'm going to do two in a row now because uh, Chandra's Phoenix goes great with Chandra the Firebrand Mm. finally a a version of Chandra that costs less than five and yeah it doesn't suck (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, all right. It's a, a red and three. It starts with three loyalty. Obviously Planeswalker, Chandra, Mythic Rare. Plus one. Chandra the Fire Bl- Firebrand deals one damage to target creature or player. Uh, and if you have a Chandra's Phoenix in the graveyard, it comes back to your hand, by the way. Um, it's minus two. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. Uh, her minus six is Chandra the Firebrand deals six damage to each of up to six target creatures and or players. Um, So I think she's really neat. She's obviously being able to uh, play her for four and then just have the repeated damage up until her ultimate is good. But I almost feel like her, her second ability is really what makes her really strong because typically cards like twin cast and reverberate and fork and those kind of things, like I mentioned that copy uh, an effect are like fringe playable, but, they don't see a lot of play because... They don't see as much play as you might expect because they can only copy the best spell available, right? And if you just, just draw one with an empty hand, it does nothing. I mean, it, it copies... If your opponent plays something that you're that's worth copying, but it's really one of those cards that it really is only as good as whatever the best spell is that you have available, and only if you have the extra mana available to, to cast it. So the thing that's interesting with Chandra is that it's once you have her on board, it's free. You don't need the extra mana. And if you don't have a spell to copy, you can use one of her other abilities. Well, mostly you'd use her plus one ability and at least get some value out of that. So it's not as if she's sitting there doing nothing in your hand, like stranded there, because the only time you can cast her is when you cast your, you know, whatever spell you want to copy. Um,
1: Could you copy goblin grenade without sacrificing a second goblin? Because you're not casting it?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, that's. So you
1: could deal 10 with a goblin grenade off yeah. of her?
0: Yeah. That seems Oof. pretty good. That's um, pretty all.
1: Yeah, because you don't have to use the additional cost to cast if you're copying the spell. Right. The
0: the sacrifice of a goblin is an additional cost. So you definitely don't need to, uh.
1: Spells you know, on the. St- yeah. You, yeah.
0: You just copy it you, without paying, paying the cost. So, like, that's pretty ridiculous. Um,. Now, two cards that Mike uh, Flores mentioned using with, with Chandra are uh, Destructive Force, which, uh, <laughs> which seems disgusting.
1: God. <laughs> what the hell is his problem? He's <laughs> like, you know what I want to do? I want to blow up everything ever. I want to blow up lanes from last game. <laughs> like... Can we go back and retroactively blow up your lands from the last game? We're put
0: on a down payment for next game.
1: Serious. So the
0: first five lands you play, you immediately sacrifice. That's <laughs> that's how it <laughs> works. Uh, so that seems pretty over the top, but uh okay. on on a, on a smaller level, and actually like really cool is Tezzeret's Gambit. Now obviously yes. Tezzeret's oh, yes. Gambit, like you don't have to play blue. So you can just pay three mana and a Two life, draw two cards, then proliferate, and then copy it with Chandra. So you minus, uh, you know, use her minus ability, and then you put the two counters right back on her and draw Mm -hmm. four cards. That's all. Yeah, that's all. So Tezzeret's Gambit now draws you – with Chandra in play, draws you four cards and basically just says you can't use Chandra this turn. But, you know – or it's like her zero ability I guess is, is – her ability ends up just costing zero loyalty. Like that seems really ridiculous. Um, and again, like you don't have to be playing blue. So you can just put this in your red deck and red doesn't usually have ways to draw cards and – uh this is a great way to do it. Like there's a lot of card advantage built into something into, into red right now. Red seems like it's really, really strong. Uh, a lot of it is because of cards we haven't even mentioned yet. Uh, spoilers. Um, but, uh, it's, this is just a nice interaction. Tezzeret's Gambit, Chandra, Chandra's Phoenix gets, you get it back. Like that's a lot of card advantage for a red deck. And, um, you know, Mike even says in his preview article for Chandra, like, why shouldn't there be a mono red planeswalker control deck with something like uh with with something like cough to ramp up to karn and, and chandra to like uh to copy a destructive force or something like i don't know it's just nuts like like it would be a very big red deck but uh, i i love the idea of it like that's last time something like big red was really good was back in the original mirrodin block so Why not now? That would be really exciting. So go ahead and move on to... What's your next card?
1: My next card is the worst card that they printed uh, for Commander in the set. Okay. Okay. Is that it? You don't don't want to guess? No, I'm just kidding. It's it's Doubling Chant. Uh, It's a green and five. It's a sorcery. It's a rare. For each creature you control... You may search your library for a creature card with the same name as that creature. Put those cards onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library uh just seems like a really powerful splashy green spell um, you know fun for the fun for the timmys of the world
0: yeah definitely uh, terrible
1: in e d h
0: doubling season is a big is a big uh EDH card, people love that, and this card has doubling in the name, too, and so people obviously will like it. Does it do anything that's good for EDH? Is that what it does? Is that good? Oh, oh, I see. It's got a fox in the artwork and another fox next to it, and that's obviously much better than than uh, than a lot of these cards that we've mentioned so far. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Quit trolling um, me,
0: bro. Speaking of troll, Cudgel Troll is next to doubling chant. No... <laughs>
1: I was like, Cudgel Trolls on your list?
0: No, I love that card, but it's not on my list. Timely Reinforcements is the next card uh, on my list. Now, this one, I haven't heard many people talking about it, but when I first read it, it kind of reminded me of Balance. In a way, like a fixed kind of – obviously not anywhere near the power level of balance. But, okay, it's a white and two uncommon sorcery. If you have less life than an opponent, you gain six life. If you control fewer creatures than an opponent, put three 1-1 white soldier creature tokens onto the battlefield. Now, me, I look at this and I'm like, I'm a control player. I always have less life than the opponent and I always have less creatures than the opponent. This is awesome. Like yeah. this is always going to give me six life and three guys to, to block all your little dudes with. Like you go, you know, uh, turn one goblin guide and I'm like, you know, ouch. I go, you know, turn I'll, – I'll play like wall of omens or something, draw a card, whatever. And like you play like some other dude and then like my turn three, I'm like timely reinforcements. I'll gain six life. You have two creatures. I have one. I get three guys. Good luck getting through my guys now i need to burn waste burn spells on a third of my card. if not even a third of my card like now i'm at like 22 or something um and and i have four blockers that you need to Shh. get through like good shut luck up. red deck good luck
1: shut up like now you're making <laughs> me not want to play red <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> i'm looking at this card going Oh my god! Why am I gonna play? Hopefully, people won't notice it. Like, hopefully, <laughs> it, people just won't notice this card.
0: It is the last card in the white section, so people are like, "I need to get the blue." Come on, come on, Sun Titan, something else got it, <laughs> and then they just move on to blue. But I don't know. I think it really seems good against any sort of aggro strategy, but specifically against something red.
1: And now I'm just, Oh, all I'm saying is now I don't want to play red, right? Because I'm just gonna have to face this card. It's
0: like three dudes. Seriously.
1: And Sixth Life. Seriously? That's how I feel. Like, seriously?
0: So, yeah. Mm. Love this card. Um, Especially that it's aggravating you so much. (laughs) It makes me like it even more. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Uh, So, good. What's, What's next on your list?
1: Uh, Next on my list is um –
0: I just wanted to say – I mean Spectral Procession. I I did – I said three dudes seriously and that was the whole joke with with Evan Irwin saying that about Spectral Procession as being like a terrible card. And of course it ended up being the – probably the best of that cycle. Spectral Procession was a sorcery for three white or – it was it was the hybrid white or two colorless right. so at at best at cheapest it was three white for a sorcery that put three one one white spirit creature tokens with flying into place. Now of course they had flying, which is which is great, but uh, and and this was really good a token strategy, of course. But uh, you know, here's a three mana card that's very splashable and gives you three guys. I think yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Um, especially like think about following it up with something like Elspeth Tyrell. You know, like she – usually you're going, uh, you know, play her, m- make three guys and then gain life for each creature I control. But now you can just drop her and plus two her and gain gain the life if the guys are still around, you know, two turns later, which is a possibility depending on what the board state was at the time. Um, you know, you you gain, gain the life and now she's up to six and then you go uh, destroy all other permanents except for lands and tokens and now I've got three dudes and uh, – you know, Elspeth sitting around <laughs> to make three more guys and gain me more life. So seems seems like a nice natural fit with Elspeth too. The the new Elspeth I
1: don't makes know. me want to cry.
0: So, on that note, <sighs> tell me what's next.
1: Goblin grenade. Speaking of things that are going to be irrelevant once people catch on to timely reinforcements. We've got Goblin Grenade.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a nice nice response. Like timely reinforcements, like, uh, all right, sacrifice one of my guys, deal five damage to you.
1: But it's a sorcery.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Haha.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> it would be so good. It I mean, would obviously really Goblin Grenade would be really good if it were an instant. I think that's obvious. But. Yeah, for sure. I forgot it was a yeah. sorcery.
0: It's been a long time since I played with a Goblin Grenade
1: seriously, but it's not going to be a long time until I play with one again, I'll tell you that much. Um, so what's Goblin Grenade?
0: for those Goblin don't Grenade it, like is
1: um, it's an artifact, it's an equipment um, and it's uh, sa- it's a sacrifice, a goblin to deal two damage to a creature or player and it's it's a, just a picture of a grenade <laughs> on it.
0: <laughs> what? I think we're just you being didn't know about that? so trolly this episode. <laughs> what is wrong <laughs> <are>.
1: with us?
0: This? <laughs> this whole episode is just like trolling each other. Um, and, and everybody else. So yeah, tell us what really what goblin grenade is.
1: Goblin grenade is one red, it's a sorcery as an additional cost to cast, sacrifice a goblin, and it deals five damage to target creature or player. Uh five damage, that's a lot of damage.
0: It really is, especially when you can sacrifice a creature that's not really relevant anymore. Like, you know, if you can't uh, get through that last bit of damage because they have walls or uh, titans or something like that and, you know, they're at five and they have a sun titan in play, My, this goblin guide is doing no good except for possibly drawing them lands and then just running into a titan. Uh, right. You know, now I just bomb you. I just <laughs> t- t- give, this, uh, give this goblin a grenade instead of its little lamp and toss it at your face. <laughs> the, so. the
1: red deck I'm toying with only has 12 goblins in it, um, four of which can also be sacrificed for damage. So I went ahead and I'm only running two goblin grenades in the current build that I'm testing. Of right. Red.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um,
1: yeah, because I don't want to draw draw dead ones. Um, I want every burn spell that I draw to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. So, But I mean, goblin seems like it could get... Even better with something like Goblin Grenade, we've, we've got a Goblin Chieftain coming back. So, the next slot on my list uh, is Stonehorn Dignitary. He's a common 1-4 creature rhino soldier, costs a white and 3, so 4 converted mana cost uh, for a 1-4. Doesn't sound so good so far, uh, but when Stonehorn Dignitary enters the battlefield, target opponent skips, or her, skips his or her next combat phase. So, um... That, by itself, it's like, okay, like a pre-fog kind of thing, like uh, Titans don't get to trigger, like that's kind of cool. But the thing that makes this guy interesting is Venser, the Sojourner. Because if you have this guy, and then they skip their combat phase, and then you go to turn five and drop Venser and blink your Stonehorn Dignitary, you have a soft lock that drops them entirely out of the combat phase, entirely out of the game. If they can't remove Stonehorn Dignitary or Venser they have no combat phase at all, and and you have a very good chance of ultimating Venser because he's not getting attacked. So unless they have something like a burn spell to burn Venser or a removal spell to beat the Dignitary and attack, uh, you're going to ultimate Venser. Now, that's another thing. I play Stonehorn Dignitary. You remove it. You still have to skip your combat phase that turn. It's not like you remove it and then they can attack. So even if they uh draw the removal spell for it. Like the say say you play Venser and you do this a couple turns in a row just enough to get him up to its ultimate. Uh them removing the Stonehorn dignitary on that turn doesn't matter because they still can't attack Venser that turn.
1: It's a really neat uh lock and it's making me wonder more and more why I want to run a mono red deck in this tournament. <laughs> if there's gonna be all these cards running around.
0: So what's what's your next card?
1: Um not World Slayer. But, um, why would they print that? Anyway, uh, the next card on my list, I'm just, like, looking at that, I'm like, really? Like, why? Um, the next card on my list is, uh, Grand Abolisher, and, um, I... <laughs> Gives me the, totally, the chills. <laughs> I totally have, uh, yeah, you hate this card.
0: It was actually um, on my list at one point, but, uh, I, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. I was it,
1: you hate the idea of this card. Um, <laughs> it's, scary. it's a... It's a 2 2 for white, white. It's a hate bear um, for, the, uh, for the vintage crowd. Um, human cleric, uh, during your turn, your opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifacts, creatures, or enchantments. So yeah. basically, it just says, hey, you know all those counter spells that are in your hand there, Joey? Yeah, those are dead. Yep. Until you deal with Grand Abolisher. Like, it's kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually pretty scary. Like, it's not huge. I mean, I, I thought Thron was scary. I thought Gaia's Revenge was scary. And neither of those have turned out so far to be as scary as uh, as I thought they might be. So Grand Abolisher is just following along in that line where I'm like, this is clearly just hosing me. Um <laughs> Like <laughs> they saw my Twitter name and just said, we're printing this guy just to, just to hose Joey Pasco. Um, but no, like obviously the biggest thing that it hoses are counter spells because now counter spells just can't, they can't be cast unless it's during, uh, during my turn, you know, when it, like if, I, if you have grand abolisher and I cast a spell and you counter it, then I can counter it. You know, like my counter spells just are, are almost entirely dead. Um, but here's here's what I was thinking. Like people were like, you just kill, it. you just remove it. And It's like, well, what if you don't have the removal? Like my cards are dead, my counter spells are dead until I find that removal. If I don't have a counter spell, if if you play him on turn two and I don't have a way to deal with him before he hits the board, um, and I don't have removal in my hand, my cards are dead. So it just makes removal. All the more important now in the current format. Like removal is already pretty important with uh, Splinter Twin running around. You know he's he's something to potentially worry about. I guess if you don't have the removal for him, he can really shut down a deck. So that makes him very sideboardy material. Uh, you know, if at all, but it is definitely one of those cards that like like a red deck who you know faces down a a core Firewalker. It's like oh man, really like that hoses my entire deck (laughs) so yeah uh so i guess i guess it's fair in that way white loves to get these these kind of creatures these hate bears that are just like uh i'm just gonna hate on an entire strategy and really shut it down so it's cool like I, i love that they printed it
1: i mean this guy could just as easily though uh show up in legacy
0: yeah yeah for sure i mean Things like – I mean he's only a two-drop, so that's way – that bodes way better for his appearances in Legacy or his potential to appear in Legacy. Um, You know, the Gaddock Teague sees play in Legacy for like similar reasons, right? Shuts down Force of Will and and Natural Order and things like that. But I mean this guy just shuts down Blue-White Control. So he actually may have even better uh, chances in Legacy. Of course, he just – Dies to everything, but then again, you they waste removal and Grand Abolisher, and now that's one less swords to plowshares or whatever they have for your tarmogoyf or Stoneforge Mystic or whatever. Right. So, it's a cool card. Um, next card on my list, which I know was on both of our lists, is uh, Garrick Primal Hunter. hmm So, everybody was really crazy, like wondering what the new Garrick was going to do. And there were like several fake versions that went around, but the real version is green, green, green two. So five, uh, planeswalker Garrick mythic rare starts out with three loyalty plus one, put a three, three green beast creature token onto the battlefield minus three draw cards equal to the greatest power among creatures you control and minus six, put a six, six green worm creature token onto the battlefield for each land you control. So he's really strong. Like, he costs five, which people, I think, already see he costs five and want to just count him out.
1: Right, but Um, it's a green deck. It costs five for a green deck. Right,
0: which is usually, you know, green decks can achieve five mana quicker than most other decks. Turns three. Right, so turn three or turn four, Garrick Primal Hunter is is going to be very common. Um, Obviously, you can play him as a five mana... Draw cards, depending on what you've got on board. You can just play five mana and draw cards equal to whatever. If you have, like, an obstinate bail-off or something you played on turn four, like, whatever. Just draw four cards, which, again, green does not typically have ways to draw cards. I said that about red. Green is in that same boat. Um, you know, it gets it gets its ways, but it's typically not in the same kind of way like blue gets and, and black even sometimes. So, um, being able to play him and draw a bunch of cards is pretty awesome. Uh, I like the fact that his plus ability is like, you know, look at Elspeth, uh, the original Elspeth, with Elspeth Knight Errant, like she, what her plus ability was put a one, one into play. And that was awesome because it could protect her, like put a token into play. And now you've got a dude and her, and now she can, her second ability was able to take advantage of that. Garrick is similar in that you can put a three, three into play. And if you want minus three, draw some cards the next turn, right? And you've got, you've got three cards, you've got a beast and you've got a Garrick on board. So like th- no matter what they do, you just kind of restocked your hand. Um, they, if they deal with your creature and like they can deal with your creature and attack your Garrick and now, you, But you've got like three extra cards. I think he fits pretty well into the curve for green because what other five drops does green have right now? I mean like Acidic Slime is, right. the only, is the only real playable green five drop. Now the thing is you're really committed to green with this guy. He's triple green, so he's not easily splashable. If you're playing him, you're playing heavy green. Like there's really right. no way around it unless Innistrad is uh, Shards of Alara part two or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know if it's all about multicolor which is very unlikely from what we've seen um so he's not really splashable but he's a win condition on his own so if you want to play something mono green he's a really strong card just to have by himself just to sit there and i mean i would just sit and pop out beasts like every turn because not only like the old garrick the forecasting cost garrick his minus ability was to put a beast out and how many times would you go like play garrick get a beast they kill your garrick somehow, and you're like, at least I got a beast out of it. But, like, with this Garrick, he goes up to four loyalty, you get the beast, and now Lightning Bolt doesn't kill him. You can still be in that same situation where you're like, alright, they gotta, they, they kill my Garrick and I get a beast out of it, but most of the time, they're gonna have to spend more than, a, more than one spell against Garrick, uh, especially, like, burn spells. Now we have right. Oblivion Ring back, which is cool. Like, that's a good way to, that, you know, makes me feel a little safer against Garrick's. <laughs> but... Um, you know, he, he just being able to sit there and threaten every turn a beast, and then also, you know, by the way, I have all this mana that I could be using to cast other ridiculous things, like giant dudes, and just overwhelm you overwhelm you with guys. Uh and then drawing cards like is again really good for green. Um because it doesn't typically have that. So I think I don't know, I think Garrick is strong and my Strategy right now is kind of hope that he drops a bit because I don't think he's that strong in the current environment. Uh and then try to pick him up for when he will be strong. That's my plan. Uh it's interesting to me that the neither of the first two abilities really have anything to do with the ultimate, which is uh a lot most planeswalkers like they do something that has has to do with the uh the earlier abilities. I guess not most, but it seems like a lot of them do. Um, but the first two have nothing to do with lands. Just kind of, uh, right. kind of interesting, but still a pretty, st- obviously a strong ability. You just need h- how many six sixes do you need to win the game? You know,
1: as uh, many as he makes.
0: I mean, the the scary thing about that is you're like, fu- I got him up to his ultimate, and I have you know nine lands in play, <laughs> nine six sixes go, day of judgment. <laughs> that
1: would be uh,
0: fun. So newsflash: Green is vulnerable to Day of Judgment. Uh, moving oh, on, what is he- <laughs> what's the next card on your list?
1: Uh, well, the next card on my list is Hunter's Insight. Yeah, there and we go. For nice. obvious reasons, that, the um,
0: artwork and- clearly.
1: that's yeah, exactly what it is. Actually, <laughs> uh, apparently Joey told me this card does stuff too. This is my the one new card I need foils of. Um, this is the funniest artwork I've seen since uh, since Bestial Menace.
0: I love this Um, artwork. Therese Nielsen is, like, probably my new favorite artist right now. Like, really.
1: She's great.
0: So what does the card do? What does the card do?
1: Um, Apparently, it's an instant. It costs a green and two. It's an uncommon. Choose target creature you control. Whenever that creature deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker this turn, draw that many cards.
0: Green draw cards. Very splashable. And it's an instant. So... I just love it. That, I love. The, I love the fact that you can hit Planeswalkers too. Like you don't just have to hit the player. You can just attack a Planeswalker and then draw that many cards. Like that's awesome. See, this is kind of a uh, one of those cards. It's like in a long line of of ways that Wizards is trying to make it so green can draw cards, but still make it very green flavorfully or uh, or green kind of card advantage against certain decks. So like we had things like Momentous Fall. Right, that was in, uh... Um, what is it, Rise of the Eldrazi, And it was yeah. the, it was an instant for green-green bl- 2 as an additional cost, sacrifice a creature. You draw cards equal to the sacrifice creature's power, then gain life equal to its toughness. Now, this card didn't see play because, like, you had this, the additional cost was kind of too much. Like, I have to sacrifice my dude and then draw the cards? In this case, it costs one less, one green less, which is significant if you are playing multiple colors. Um... And you don't have to sacrifice the dude. He just has to get in. And he doesn't even have to get in totally. He can just attack their Venser or something if they didn't lock you out of the combat phase. Um, but, you know, you can attack their Planeswalker and still draw the cards and still have the guy you know, sitting around, which I think is awesome. So, like, this is a much better card than Momentous Fall in a number of ways. So, I'm, I'm excited to, to see a card like this seeing print.
1: I want a wolf shirt of this really bad. It's really
0: really awesome. Really good artwork.
1: If you guys see me at any events like SCG Open Cincinnati, hello, uh, and you want to pass me your foils of this, I will love you forever, or at least until the foil is in my box. (laughs) By the way, I'll be at Star City uh, Cincinnati. Uh, It was kind of a last-minute decision. Um, My friend Charles was like, hey, I'm thinking about going to – star city uh cincinnati and i want to give a a shout out to um ender 000 it's end three r 000 on twitter also known as benjamin ball who is uh putting us up for the weekend for free
0: pretty awesome
1: so sweet uh, i wish I,
0: I wish i could make it to cincinnati i'm not going to be able to, but I really would like to because, like, all those cool cats in the Ohio area are like gonna be there, I'm sure. Like, Medina and Sam Stodd and Cranny and uh and Eric Klug and all those guys. Like, um, so the next card on my list is Vengeful Pharaoh. Um, this card is a black, black, black and two creature zombie rare, a five four death touch. Whenever a combat damage is dealt to you or a Planeswalker you control, if Vengeful Pharaoh is in your graveyard, destroy target attacking creature, then put Vengeful Pharaoh on top of your library. Uh, this card I think is deceptively good. I think people aren't talking about it enough. I think the fact that this guy does work for free without needing to be – you don't need, need to sink any mana into him and he's removal. Like that seems really, really strong and really abusable with the right support cards. Now I don't think we have those cards yet. That's what I'm saying, but I think they're, it's. I think they're coming.
1: They're in my commander deck.
0: Yeah, so I mean, you've already in, in something like commander, it's already got those kind of cards. Uh, in in legacy, those cards are available, but I really don't see Vengeful Pharaoh seeing play in legacy. But uh, I think in standard, if with the right support cards, get to be able to get this guy into the graveyard from your hand or library. Uh, I think this is really sick. Now we've, we haven't talked about him, uh, on the podcast, but there is a new Jace and he is not on my list. Uh, as crazy as that may seem. Um, I think, I don't really know how that happened, but when it, <laughs> whatever, uh, the new Jace has the, the milling kind of theme going on. And I think he is also a plant for Innistrad, a way to, uh, you know something that is going to get much more powerful depending on the graveyard strategies in Innistrad. but here's a way where where you can use Vengeful pharaoh you get you mill him into your your library i mean mill him from your library into your uh, into your graveyard, and being able to just kill attacking creatures for free seems really good now the the, the drawback besides the work you have to do to get them into your graveyard is that the creature has to deal damage to you. So, you it's not like you're preventing that damage by removing the creature. So, you still got to get hit, and I think that may be the Achilles' heel of the card. But uh, I still, I think it's neat, and I think it's something to keep an eye on. Obviously, I didn't even say this, but I mean, you can... Play, pay five and have a five-hort death touch, <laughs> and then it, if it blocks and good. dies, that's a way to get it into the graveyard. <laughs> like, the very obvious way of playing it and letting it, you know, die to something. But um, uh, that's a very heavy black cost. But, I mean, you you can technically play this in an entirely non-black deck if you have ways to, uh, to get it into the yard. Yeah, so I think that's really... Interesting, and it's it's a puzzle to solve. It's a card that you can really possibly take advantage of, depending on what what we've got coming up. So, what's next on your list?
1: Next on my list is um, Primordial Hydra. Um, I tweeted at Ken Nagel recently, um, asking him because a while back he said on Twitter, "I just submitted a green creature to the M12 design file." Uh, that might be my favorite creature, des- like, favorite green creature design I've ever come up with. And I hope it makes it all the way through, basically, is what he was saying. Right? Yeah. So here we have Primordial Hydra, which to me seems like the only card that could possibly fit that description, right? <laughs> okay. Um, it's green, green X. Uh, it's a Hydra. It's a Mythic Rare. Primordial Hydra enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep double the number of plus one plus one counters on primordial hydra primordial hydra has trample as long as it has 10 or more plus one plus one counters on it like that's stupid
0: (laughs) yeah i mean it's definitely uh it's really cool that you just double the counters like i think that's awesome it's not just add a plus one it's just double them double them. Right. So it can get really big really fast, and I think it's really flavorful, and I love that they're, like, trying to build the right kind of hydra for the flavor. Like, this is, this is the awesome thing about core sets, is that they take, like, a classic creature, like a hydra, and, and try or to... A minotaur. Yeah, and try to, like, build, like, what what is this creature? Like, it's a creature that, you know, you chop off one head and you get two more, or something like that, you know, or it's co- constantly growing heads so like i think that's awesome um as far as like the ability of the card it's kind of like it falls into that category of mm, like not you know no evasion until it's already over the top (laughs) um and you know something like uh an into the royal which by the way is seems like really good right now and, and just seems to be getting better and better um and it seems like it's always good when there's an unknown format because it's so versatile like something like Into the Royals just like all right bounce him and you have to replay him again and you know or any removal spell that isn't damage based uh, once he gets out of hand I mean th- it dies to everything's the worst argument ever but um, you do need to kind of think how much how much uh, am I putting into this how much am I investing into this if you want to play it as a three drop as a one one like Go ahead, like all right it's a one one it's a two two it's a four four like now I'll bounce it. you know what I mean find out three turns later you've gotten value you've, you've played a four, four for three in green, which you could have just done in the first place, you know what I mean <laughs> like right, so obviously like that you're not going to play it for two because then it just dies, um, so it just seems uh seems kind of crazy now we have proliferate could be. Uh, Could uh. make it a little bit better, right? I mean, you don't... It's just an extra counter to get doubled. So that's kind of cool. But it Seems uh, pretty funny. You know, it's something that works with it. Um, but yeah, it's a cool card, I think, as far as flavor-wise. So, uh, Next card on my list is Solemn Simulacrum, which is a reprint from Mirrodin Block. It was one of my favorite cards when it was originally spoiled. I remember trading for four of them at the pre-release, and I still have those same four. Uh, it, it was uh, an invitational card for... uh it's probably Jans or something, but uh, Jans Thorin is uh is the guy who won that Invitational and designed this card,
1: right? And then they put their face on it. Yeah, I mean, look at this M12 card, man. That guy looks like a freak.
0: Yeah, that guy looks like a robot. Yeah, like totally. Yeah, so they they unfortunately used new artwork for this, which I just think <laughs> it's fine, but it's not. I'm not. Happy with it. The old artwork was awesome. It was Greg Staples, and obviously had the Invitational Players face on it. Um, but artwork aside, and and since I have my original four anyway, I'm not going to play the new artwork. Um, I'm excited about this card being reprinted. It's a for those of you who don't know, it's a rare card for uh, for four. It's an artifact, and it's a 2-2. Artifact creature, Golem. When Solemn Simulacrum enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land card, put that card onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. When Solemn, Solemn Simulacrum dies, you may draw a card. So uh, it's kind of like a Mall Drifter in that it gets you two cards, right? You draw one when it dies, you get the other one as a land coming into play right. tapped. So. Uh, it can go in every deck that's awesome, so it's great for being able to splash colors if you're building a deck that plays multiple colors and maybe you just need that one one land that pla you know that can access a certain color like that's awesome um He was really good back then, but he kind of got overshadowed by affinity and tooth and nail, but he was played in like red decks the big red decks uh at the time in standard. I don't know if he's going to be good enough now, but I'm really happy to have the opportunity to to play him. Um, I think he's he's got the potential, you know? and uh, Yeah, sure. That's kind of cool. He is a golem, so if, if anybody's trying that crazy golem deck or splicer deck with <laughs> making the golems, like, he gets those bonuses, right? Very true. So that's kind of cool. Uh, what's next on your list? Uh,
1: next on my list is Quicksilver Amulet, one of the worst possible cards you could use to uh, put uh, Primordial Hydra into play. <laughs> it's... Uh, it costs four. Uh, it's an artifact. It's a rare, and it has four and tap. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. So it's basically basically like an Elvish Piper for mm-hmm. any color, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, it could potentially wind up in some sort of uh, Eldrazi deck. You know, yeah. Um, it has it has it has a, l- a lot of potential uses. I think it's a really neat card. Um,
0: Blightsteel Colossus.
1: Yeah, I mean any any card that lets you cheat stuff out is is at least decent or worth considering. Yeah. You know.
0: So next card on my list is it may be my favorite card in the set in a strange way, but uh that that's not a reprint and that I I, I don't know. I really love the card. I just don't think it's going to see much play, but it's uh, Sphinx of Uthun. Um the artwork. I saw this artwork when they they spoiled the pack, like the the booster pack artwork, and I was like, yeah. "Oh my gosh! I hope that's a playable Sphinx because I love the artwork." It's uh, Kikai Kotaki, which is he's just an amazing new artist. He or she? That could be a she. I, I don't know. K I don't know many Kikais. I guess. Uh, so uh, uh, Sphinx of Uthun is blue, blue and five creature Sphinx, rare five six flying. So. Mahamudhi Jin right? Five, six flyer, but this yeah. guy costs seven. Um, when Sphinx of Uthun enters the battlefield, reveal the top five cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put one pile into your hand and the other into the graveyard. For those of you who may not remember, that is factor fiction
1: mm-hmm.
0: on a card, on a creature. So that seems really tempting to me to try to build around or to just play with. I love the artwork. I love, I mean, I love Sphinxes. Like people like other people like dragons. I like Sphinxes a lot. And, uh, these, this is just awesome. Factor Fiction, Factor Fiction was an instant that cost four. So technically for at the cost of three more mana, uh, like two and, um, yeah, two and a blue. And, at the cost of instant speed, uh, you get a 5 6 flyer. So, right. like, that's kind of ridiculous. But again, 7 mana, like, 7 mana is kind of a lot to get to. 7 mana was Cruel Ultimatum mana. Um, and, I mean, not to say that Cruel Ultimatum wasn't played plenty, but I just don't know that a 5 6 flyer uh, with Factor Fiction is is good enough. It sounds strange, as good as fact or fiction is, to say that, but I guess the the whole thing is like, you've got Titans at six mana that just do ridiculous things on their own. Is the Sphinx just going to get immediately overshadowed by those? And it seems like that's, uh, that's a good possibility, but this is the guy who just, I, I just think is really exciting, and I, I love it. I don't know that it's going to be playable in standard, though.
1: Right. I'm surprised that... um. I mean, it, it really feels like uh, it would have been more of a cycle. Yeah. Um, because there's uh, a card
0: on your list that does something. The next
1: card similar. on my list. Yeah. Go ahead and just – Actually. Before you um, make
0: the, your cycle point, go ahead and say it. Yeah.
1: That. Uh, Rune Scarred Demon. Um, Rune Scarred Demon costs two black and five. And it's a 6-6 six, six flyer. It's a demon. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a card, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. So it's got Demonic Tutor attached to it. Um, (laughs) I I hadn't really thought about it, but now that I'm looking at this, that is definitely going in my Commander deck. What am I, nuts?
0: (laughs) Of course. It's perfect for Commander. Like, Like Sphinx would definitely go in Commander. The way I look at him is, like, I would love to blink him with Venser, too. but
1: (laughs) that's, that's what I'm saying. I can cast him. I can I can return him to my... Like, I can sacrifice him. I can return him to my hand. Mm-hmm. I can just Balthor him back out. Like, I mean, just, like, think about how sick that is to, like, just be able to go, Balthor, get back my RuneScar Demon Demonic Tutor. Like... Yeah. And it costs me seven for Balthor to, to play him and use his ability mm-hmm. in one turn. The same mana it would cost me to get RuneScar Demon, and I get RuneScar Demon and every other black creature in my graveyard.
0: And a Demonic Tutor. <laughs>
1: And a demonic tutor for free.
0: Yeah. So that it's seems pretty really nasty. good. Yeah, now uh, the Sphinx, you know, you bring up reanimation strategies. If that sort of thing is available in Innistrad, being a graveyard block, uh, maybe he sees more play. Like maybe being able to put him on the uh, put him in, into play on the cheap is where you want to be. But at the moment, we've got like – did we get Rise from the Grave back? I don't even think we did, did we? No. Come on.
1: No, it's no, not there. there. No, we
0: got Reassembling Skeleton and then Royal Assassin as the next card. So, um, but that actually may bode well for reanimation strategies coming in Innistrad because if they thought, well, we don't want another reanimation card in standard right now. You know, because we're going to be adding more later. Right. Just just an idea, but really love the Sphinx as far as uh the card just not sure that it's strong enough. There's a lot of seven casting cost creatures right now that are so good, like Sheoldrid, a lot of the Praetors, you know, that, like, there's a lot of competition at that slot and there's they're just really good. But the fact that they've reprinted the Titans really makes things kind of awkward for anything that costs more than six, or even costs six and, uh, and doesn't do something as good as the Titans. You know, we've got Consecrated Sphinx that was already kind of overshadowed for a while, but... uh you know, being being that Jace isn't around, uh, he's much better now because you get to draw the cards off of him more often than not. But, you know, it's it just seems like, gosh, these titans just really suck the life out of everything around them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like as as cool as they are, like they really make other cards so much less playable. Um, so, right, people uh, talk
1: a lot about the Jace test, but... We don't hear as much about the Titan test.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of unfortunate. They've only been around for a year, and I would guess that they're not going to be around next year. Um, But unfortunately, we still have them around for for now. So next card on my list, my other favorite card in the set, favorite new new card in the set, Visions of Beyond. Visions of Beyond is a rare instant for a blue. Draw a card. If a graveyard has 20 or more cards in it, draw three cards instead. Holy crap! If you have twenty cards in your graveyard, or your opponent does, is, this is ancestral recall. Like, yeah, um,
1: yeah, it's pretty good. Seems good in dredge.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good in something like that that can just dump a bunch of stuff into the graveyard. That's possible. Possibly good with a new Jace that can just you know minus ten or mi- yeah, top ten cards of your library into your graveyard. Um, just anything that dumps cards in the graveyard. Fast is going to make this more and more ridiculous. And so that again makes me look forward to Innistrad and say, what can we do to get things into the graveyard, either from your library or from your hand? Um, you know, uh, blue decks already play a lot of spells. Like, it, it, looking at this card, trying to break it, you go, okay, well, you don't want to play as many permanents because you want to fill the graveyard. You want to play spells that just go to the graveyard. Um, you want to play fetch lands because they go to the graveyard. You want to play. Uh, basically anything that you can do to just dump cards, something like Factor Fiction on a Sphinx seems like it would make it good too. But it, at that point, you're like, well, turn seven, I played Factor Fiction on a Sphinx, and finally got my Visions of Beyond to draw me three cards. Like, like it, the reason Ancestral Recall is ridiculous is because <laughs> you can play it really early. Um, you know, it's awesome. Really late too, drawing three cards is good at any point in the game. But um, the the thing about Visions of Beyond right now like it's it, you almost think all right if you if you don't want to work for it it at least just cycles for a blue right which is that's kind of cool just play four in a deck yeah. and just y- use it to cycle you know like
1: it's it's never a do nothing
0: exactly and it's the fact that it's an instant is pretty huge because you can like Have one in your hand, leave the mana leak mana up on turn two or something, and they don't play anything. You want to counter? I'll just cycle my Visions of Beyond. You know, it's not—you don't lose anything because that mana was fallow mana anyway. You weren't using it, so uh, it's really not a bad idea to just shove it into a deck. Anyway, the the thing that makes that a little bit uh, unattractive is you know, deck slots are kind of valuable. Like, how much do you want a card that does? almost nothing that just cycles how much do you want to take up space in your deck with a card like that when you may need that slot for something that's going to do a lot more for your game you know but it just fits perfectly in the blue decks that are going to be leaving mana open anyway that's that's where it's good so i think i i could definitely see myself taking this and trying it just just in a normal deck that's not necessarily trying to abuse the uh get the 20 cards into the graveyard kind of thing uh but love that card love that card so what's your how many cards left on your list you just have one or or is that the end of your list two actually you have have two two left
1: okay Uh, i'll I'll just do them both real quick uh first is skin shifter Mm -hmm. um skin shifter is such a weird card i like it what's it do Um, it's uh it's really weird i know you said uh, that it's 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 green
0: strange okay what's the next card
1: uh, the next card is Sundial of the Infinite. No, but uh, Skin Shifter is a green and one. It's a 1 1 mm-hmm. human sham, and it's a rare. Pay a green. Choose one. Until end of turn, Skin Shifter becomes a 4 4 rhino and gains trample. Or until end of turn, Skin Shifter becomes a 2 2 bird and gains flying. Or until end of turn, Skin Shifter becomes a 0 8 plant. Activate this ability only once each turn.
0: Yeah, I think it's really weird, really neat. Definitely something different that green hasn't seen before. Um, I think Kelly Reed, who had this preview for Quiet Speculation, uh, called it like a green morphling. Um,
1: In a way. In a a way. Thornling was a little more of a green morphling than that.
0: The problem is that you can only activate it once each turn, so you can't be like, you know, I'll attack with a 2-2 flyer oh, no blockers, change it to a 4-4, haha. <laughs> you know what I mean? You oh, don't have, that would
1: you, be awesome.
0: Right. You don't have blockers. Now it's a 4-4, it's, you know, non-flying, but you've already passed the declare blockers portion. So yeah. That kind of thing. So you that, obviously, it's kind of clear why they didn't do that. Although, I mean, I kind of think it would have been fine if they did. Like, it, why not give Green something like that to to mess around with? It seems kind of cool, but... They didn't, and you can only activate it once a turn. It still seems really interesting because it is what you need it to be. A lot of times, it's it's going to be you know you're going to go. I need it to be a four four, for a couple of turns, and now when they have something to block it, now I'll just be swinging in the air, you know, or right. or I they have something big, and I need to be able to block it and not die. So it's an 08 plan, uh, but it's a neat card. Uh, what's the other card?
1: My final card on my list is, uh, Sundial of the Infinite. Um, Sundial of the Infinite is a two-mana artifact. It's a rare. Tap one and tap it. End the turn. Activate this ability only during your turn. Uh, now, what that means, the, remind, the, the rules text on it, is exile all spells and abilities on the stack discard down to your maximum hand size damage wears off and this turn and until end of turn effects end um Speaking of uh, puzzles to solve, yeah, this was exactly um, that
0: was exactly what I was going to say about it. That is, it's like, what do I do with this? This you can only do during your turn, so it's not a counterspell. Unfortunately, <laughs> I would love it then. Like, I can just end well, it the kind turn.
1: Kind of is though. I mean, it yeah. kind of is a counterspell. It I is mean, like
0: it is if it's uh, only during your turn, though.
1: Right, but like say, like say you, uh, you know, you swing with your creatures. And then they try to condemn your creature, and you really can't have your creature condemned. And you just go, mm-hmm. end the turn, never mind, next turn. You know what I mean? Like,
0: Yeah, or they uh, they try to cast Deceiver Exarch, and you just end the turn before
1: yeah, it resolves. You do that. You
0: know? So that sort of seems like it would, it would be uh, an extra little ability. I just feel like this card is so dense in a strange way. Like, as simple as it is, just end the turn. <laughs> as simple as that looks. It seems, like, so dense because it's got, like, you're just like, what, how can I make this card do something that I normally wouldn't want to do? Like, I usually want my turns to last as long as possible. Like, I want to be doing a whole bunch of things on my turn. Why would I want to end it early? Such a crazy puzzle. I love the artwork. It reminds me of Lost. Um, Oh, neat. So I have one more card on my list. Uh, it's a reprint, and it's probably my card I'm most excited about coming back. is Grim Lava Mancer. Uh, I loved this card when it was in Standard before, and it's definitely a great card to play in Legacy, and I'm excited to be able to play it in Standard as well. Uh, Grim Lava Mancer, for those of you who don't know, is a red creature. It is a 1-1 for a red, uh, and it has the ability, pay a red, tap it, and remove two cards, or exile two cards from your graveyard. Grim Lava Mancer deals two damage to target creature or player. So, uh, that's awesome against, like, aggro decks. You just wipe the board. I, I, I I see it, like, it's, it sees, it's definitely something that sees play in aggro decks. Something like a red deck. We talked about how good red's gonna be. We're getting Incinerate back. We still have Lightning Bolt for a few months. We still have Goblin Guide. We have Goblin Grenade. We have, like, all these pretty, like, really good red spells, um, Right now, and Grim Lava Mancer just adds to that, so I think it's going to see play in the red decks. I think, think it can see play in some sort of more aggressive um, strategies that may not be mono-red. I mean, this seems really good in vampires, red-black vampires, like more removal that just sits on board.
1: Um, you know a card it works beautifully with? What card? Goblin Grenade.
0: Yeah, that seems really good with Goblin Grenade. Sacrifice, (laughs) attack with Goblin Guide, post-combat sacrifice, it. do five damage to you, tap one, do two more. Like, you know, exile those two cards. Seems really good with that, yeah. Um, But I I see it being like a possibility in some sort of blue-red control strategy. We've already got, you know, Deceiver Twin, Exarch. Maybe you just have that in the sideboard. As far as Grim Lava Mancer goes, he seems like he'd be great in something like Blue-Red Control that, you know, your mana leaking things and, and removing things. And then you have Grim Lava Mancer to, uh, to help clean up and get in some damage as well. So, uh, And again, he's really cheap. So later in the game, you, you play him and you might have a fully stocked graveyard at the time. And uh, he's still valuable. He's not just a 1-1 because you can use him to ping whatever you need to to ping I guess it's more than pinging it's double pinging for for two damage but um maybe he's not going to be as good in standard as as uh he was in his previous run I mean you know I'll ho- ho- let you know hopefully yeah hopefully he doesn't follow the footsteps of things like Nantuko shade um that were like all stars when they were first in standard and then just all duds when they came back
1: speaking of speaking of cards that um could have the potential to be reprinted um, now that the power level is where it is right now. Uh-huh. Um, wh- what do you think the chances are of us seeing something like Tarmogoyf in uh, in Innistrad?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I don't think Tarmogoyf is overpowered. He's really good. And I think that Innistrad would be a perfect place for him because, again, they. I, I think I said this. I don't know if I said this on... Uh, our last episode with, with Patrick. Um, but, uh, the, the whole thing is wizards loves to create this kind of tension. Like, all right, visions of beyond wants you to have tons of cards in the graveyard. Jace memory adept helps you put those cards in the graveyard. Um, Flashback wants you to take those cards out of the graveyard. Grim Lavamancer wants you to take those cards out of the graveyard. Like, well, you, what are you going to do? You know. And so, look at uh, Tarmogoyf is in a similar kind of thing where he's looking at the card types in your graveyard. So, in the early part of the game, you you can't really play Grim Lavamancer and Tarmogoyf because they're going to work against each other. You know. And uh, I, I think I mean, Legacy players play both, of course. I mean, they, they, they sure it's, the Zoo decks. But I mean, the thing with with that is just all the fetch lands.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think it's interesting that one activation of uh Jace memory, a depth zero ability, uh, will get your Lava Mancer stocked up for quite a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean and again here you have Grim Lava Mancer and Visions of Beyond working against each other, but uh, you know, which which one would you rather be using, I guess. So it's it's cool. It's, I think they do create that kind of tension and I don't think or it's, I don't think it's crazy to think that Tarmogoyf may come back at some point in the reasonably near future. All right, so I think that's uh, we're going to wrap things up. Um, Just uh, looking at upcoming events, this weekend is the M12 pre-release. Make sure you head out to your uh, local game stores since there are no big pre-releases anymore.
1: Oh, I just want to give a quick shout-out. This Sunday, Adam Stavorsky is going to be gunslinging at uh, my pre-release that I'm running um, at Amazing Spiral Comics uh, in the Rotunda Mall in Hamden. Uh, some of you who came into town for the uh, for the Baltimore uh, SCG Open uh, stopped by to play some Legacy at my store a couple weeks ago. It was cool to have you guys out, including Alex Burton Genie, which was really neat. Yeah, um, definitely. He stayed with me. It was a really fun time.
0: Uh, next weekend is uh, July 16th and 17th. Star City Games Open Series in Cincinnati. Joe will be there, hanging out on Saturday. No out possibly playing standard unless people want to play. Uh, timely reinforcements and then he will not (laughs) play standard um (laughs) or uh or just hanging out and then playing some legacy on sunday right no doubt and uh and then july 23rd and 24th star city games open series in seattle so uh check those out and we'll look i'm looking forward to seeing how the standard metagame shapes up with no jace no stone forge and m12 added in so it's gonna be awesome
1: it's all—it's all up in the air, man.
0: We'll see what it's like. It'll be—it'll be pretty exciting. So, that said, we are Yo MTG Taps.
1: Stop bitching, start brewing. We are-